And I think that that's why wherever you are is perfect. If you stay aware and awake to the lessons that are coming your way, then how and whatever you're receiving in this now moment is perfect for you. Because it's like, I love to share these things because a lot of times when somebody else has opened up for me and said, oh, this is what it could look like. What I recognize is I go, oh, that's why it's so amazing to have everybody be so different. <laughs> it just gives me range. Oh, you could do it like Brian. You could do it like that person. It expands my range of possibility. I get to see more of what possibly lives within me because you're choosing to express it. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Do you ever struggle to feel deeply connected to your authentic power? Could that be preventing you from being fully present in your everyday life? Could that be preventing you from having the love you deeply desire? Well, in this episode, my guest, John Vroman, who's the founder of Front Row Dads, he and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. I'm a big fan of John Vroman, the man. I just met him recently at a mutual friend's pool party, and we had occasion to drop in and talk for probably a good 90 minutes poolside. And I just knew John was going to be a guy I would want to know more. I love that John's organization, Front Row Dads, which we talk a little bit about towards the end of the podcast, announces itself as a community for men who identify themselves as family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. I think that family-first orientation is a profound paradigm shift that's deeply needed in the world. And I love that John has taken up the banner and is serving men who are fathers to lean more fully into family and fatherhood. While we range through a few topics in our conversation today, the core of our conversation centers around John's recent trip to Burning Man, his first trip, and the reckoning he and his wife of 16 years had no choice but to face there as their relationship hung in the balance. It's a fascinating teaching story and an essential one for any man who wants to thrive, not just in relationship, but in life. We talk about that and more. And at the end, I ask John, what are his five emotional triggers? It's a new lightning question round. I'm actually quite enjoying hearing all the different answers to. So definitely stay tuned all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. But before we dive in, Men, listen up. My year-long Elevate 2023 coaching adventure for men is almost full. I've only got five spots left at the time of this recording. Now, this is my third year running this year-long coaching experience, and I've got to tell you, it is life-changing for men to finally be surrounded by strong, like-hearted, trustable other men, including myself as your coach and facilitator for the journey, for an entire year, to know that you don't have to carry the burdens of your life alone anymore, that support is all around you. 
to be witnessed in all you're carrying in your life, to be celebrated in the ways you are already succeeding, and to be challenged to up your game in the areas of life that are most important to you, well, Elevate is proving to be a priceless, life-changing experience for men. But more than my word, hear the words of actual men who've experienced Elevate. I feel like I'm a different person. I see the world in a different, through a different lens. It says never too late, but I wish I would have done this uh, 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm 48 years old now. I wish I would have done that 20 years ago. My experience in Elevate 2022 has been one of the most enlightening, emotional, spiritual journeys that I have been on in my life. I've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of retreats, a lot of, you know, self-help, self-inner work. And this had so many amazing different elements to it. It was something I think that I, I don't know. I didn't know that I needed it, but I've, but I've needed it. So if you're ready to elevate your life in 2023, I am now accepting applications at brianreeves.com slash elevate. Remember, it's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. And at the time of this recording, we've already filled five of 10 available spots. So only five remain. Again, go to brianreeves.com slash elevate and apply today. Do not delay. The life you are destined to live is waiting for you. If this speaks to you, go apply at brianreeves.com slash elevate. All right, back to my conversation with John Vroman. Now, take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. John Vroman, one of my new men in my life. It is so good to have you on Men This Way, brother. Welcome to Men This Way. Yeah, you were uh, a surprise and a delight of 2022 for me, being able to spend some time with you in the in the circles that we've been we hanging in has been really a joy, man. Thank you. Yeah, likewise, John. I'm, I'm really excited to get to know you more. I, I uh, believe this is just the first of, of many deep dives, most of them not recorded, uh, but we're going to record a couple <laughs> like this to share. None that you know about. Maybe I'll bring some recorders uh, <laughs> and surprise you one day. Brian, that, that conversation on Osborne's deck, man, that's going uh, live. I hope you're okay with that. Oh, man. Well, just got to. <laughs> so so, so for our listeners, we sat when John and I first really got to drop in. Uh, we were on a, a, at a pool party of a mutual friend. And we probably talked for, I don't know, what, 90 minutes, two hours, something like that. Good what, what was happening the entire time? John, what was going on? What, well, <laughs> what was in the peripheral? The, the dog, the family dog <laughs> yeah. found, took a liking to you. Let's yeah. just say that. Took a liking to you. Really tested your resolve and your focus. My focus. <laughs> that's right. The family dog was basically going down on me, not sexually, <laughs> but for two hours, that dog was just like licking my feet, my legs. and Yeah, your legs were clean. I was kind of into it though. That's that's the thing. <laughs> your your legs are clean. <laughs> that was it was extreme. A dog just... is still asking about you. Wants to know when you're coming back. <laughs> oh man, I love I love that that really marks the start of our friendship in some ways. Uh, yeah, that's a fun story. John, what are you excited about today? Just today, man. Right now, uh, I just had this great team call and. 
I have the joy of working with these, these two people full-time on my team that are just so incredible mm -hmm. to build with. You know, they're part of the visioning. They mm -hmm. execute effectively. They have a beautiful spirit about them. And what we're creating right now is just fun. Like it mm -hmm. comes with some stress, but I, I'm, I'm like, man, we have figured some stuff out mm -hmm. over the last couple of years as a team. Like we all had to grow. We all had to learn. We had to figure out each other's strengths and how to work with each other. And, you know, because things I do that are my my strengths can drive my team nuts. Like I'm, I'm yeah. on the strengths profile, dude. I'm, I'm an ideation number one and it's a strong number one. So I've got mm -hmm. ideas for days, mm -hmm. but I had to learn how to channel that because you can burn out somebody that's an executor yeah. when you've given them 16,000 ideas every day. So, man, our team has just really found a stride right now and I'm enjoying this season. That's really, that is exciting, man. I, my year for 2022, my, I mean, my word for the year of 2023, I don't know what I just said there. My word, one of my words is team. Yeah. Team and systems, man. I that's that's a place I've been lacking for many years is building team. And man, I, I can't keep doing what I'm doing and go to where I want to go without team. So I'm glad to hear that you're you're rocking on on those cylinders. And uh, wh what are you challenged by today or maybe struggling with a little bit? Ooh, uh, the overwhelm of yes, like the overwhelm of when we say yes to things, there is a uncomfortableness that comes with all that. So yes to this live event that we're doing in December and yes to uh, trying out new programs within Front Row Dads. Th those are all things that seem exciting because look, I only operate in these two channels, it seems. One is I've got things dialed in. And as soon as I have things dialed in, I'm like, let's mess stuff up <laughs> let's add this uh, on and yeah and i'm i'm either just like things are great and we're coasting and then there's some guilt with the coasting where i'm like we need to be growing i'm not if i'm just coasting i'm not really serving men at the highest capacity that i can so i'll then go try something else and usually that means i bit off more than i can chew usually that means i i'm then stressed like i woke up this morning at 3 a.m not for any negative reason but i just couldn't sleep I was literally solving problems mm. and I laid in bed for 30 minutes, tried to breathe my way through it and fall back asleep. But finally I just got up. I'm like, all right, we're going. And, and my jaws clenched. Cause I'm just like, and it's not terrible. It's exciting, but it's I'm problem solving. Well, it makes sense, man, that there's a, there's always the tension between, you know, like one way to frame it, like the, the artist and the manager. Right, the artist is always creating new ideas, new things coming through. Hey, world! Hey, world! Look what I see now! Look what I see now! Look at this! This is cool! Isn't this cool? Check this out! Check this out! The manager has to be able to to run with the creation and then do something with it. That takes time. It takes execution. It takes building. It takes patience. It takes focus. It takes not creating new ideas. And so, what I'm what I'm hearing is that that, that this is a tension that you kind of live with. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. And, and it's not a balance. It's, you know, and what's interesting is you kicked us off today. I think probably before you hit record, we were like, let's just dance. And that became the whole thing for me this year was about how everything is a dance and how there's this incredible dance happening in my marriage. There's this incredible dance happening with my team at work. There's this incredible dance happening within me uh, and these, these polarities that exist 
and these different archetypes that are often brought into the equation, I used to figure out how they could all work well together. And lately the idea has been, what does the dance look like? And there's an, there's almost um, an effortlessness in a sense, or a flow to that, that I'm really appreciating right now. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited to to get into some of the meat of our of our conversation today because we're going to be talking about some of the the dancing that you have been doing in your life perhaps some of the, the the challenging oh i don't know the difficult dances of marriage and relationship and burning man what? and and we're... dude i have no problems in my marriage <laughs> So only says every man ever who has never been married. <laughs> That's right. Who dreams of marriage but doesn't actually do it. But first, just to help our listeners get to know you a bit more, um, sure. tell us a story. Tell us about some some event or story or some experience that you went through or that happened to you, something in your early life that played a fundamental role in shaping you as a man. You know, I've got my go-to stories the ones that I've told before, you mm -hmm. know, that I've told myself and I've told others and I'm one, I'm just searching right now and seeing if there's something that's yeah. different, you know, about like what, what, what ha haven't I explored in full. Yeah. So a story that really shaped me, um, <clears throat> you know, my, my dad was, was military throughout my childhood and we moved around a lot mm. and I, definitely developed a, a passion for reinventing myself. Mm. You know, every couple of years we'd move to a new area and I'm like, I can be anybody I want. Nobody mm. knows who I am. I fell in love with <laughs> wow. reinvention early on. Yeah. And I think that's where the passion really began. And I really appreciate the fact that um, who I was yesterday is not who I need to be today. That to me is was stemmed as a child and, um, and growth also, you know, e even from a, like at the literal sense, I was 410 and I weighed 85 pounds my sophomore year of high school. I was really short. And um, I eventually, I eventually grew to where I am now 511. But in this trend, this time of physical growth, I had to explore a lot about who I was and wasn't and how I saw myself. And it, that was like just such a fertile ground for me to learn about, you know, uh, who I was and my limiting beliefs in that time of my life. Cause I let my physical size dictate my mm -hmm. mental state of mind. And so I was constantly focused on growth. And I think those two things, right. Growth and evolution have become who I am as an adult, but mm -hmm. rooted as a child. Wow, that's really fascinating. When I was, I also grew late. I was also, I skipped a grade. So I was also a year younger than all my peers right. and I was smaller. Yeah. So, I mean, when I went, when my first day of high school, we, I went to orientation. One of my future teachers would tell me, I went into her class for orientation. She thought, and she didn't tell me this that day, but she told me later that she thought that one of the other teachers had brought their child to school that day. <laughs> I Dude, was so, that's so crazy. Small. So I get, and my nickname in high school was Shorty, Shorty Reeves. Yeah. Shorty. Brian, you don't know this dude, but my first day of my sophomore year, I walked into the school and a teacher stopped me and told me I was at the wrong school, <laughs> that oh the God. junior high was over there. Wow. Dude, how about that? 
Well, and I find that <laughs> I find that fascinating too because I, I also because of I spent a lot of my childhood years feeling not not just feeling but I was smaller than everyone around yeah. me that carried with me into adulthood that sort of a body dysmorphia where I, I even to this day feel sometimes I can feel like I'm smaller than the other men around me and mm -hmm. you know I, I think I'll, I too learned to compensate for that with my with my with my wit with my mind with my uh maybe feisty attitude I can I can, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a bit of a talk back problem at times. I have to really monitor and, and be mindful to, you know, cause that's, that's my striking force. That's how I, I can't, I, again, in my mind, I couldn't compete yeah. physically. So uh, that's really fascinating, man. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm, I'm so I know John, you're in the midst of, of some, and maybe you're on the other side. I don't know. I guess we'll, we're going to explore this right now, but uh, you're in the midst of, 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 of profound exploration, right? In your life personally. I mean, you've, you've, uh, I know something that's really alive for you right now is uh, burning man and what yeah. happened for you at burning man. And you've been with your wife, Tatiana, for how long? 16 years, 16 years. And you burning man, this was your first trip to burning man. Yeah. Was yeah. it, had she been before? No, both both newbies, yeah. Oh man, newbies! Wow, I mean, well, Burning Man is the great exacerbator. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It is the great exacerbator. You know, any any couple. I've been three times, but I've never been with a partner, with an intimate partner. So I don't know that experience, but I know plenty of couples who have. Yeah, it's easy. I can tell you. <laughs> uh, tell me well tell tell us how easy it was john <laughs> yeah well we and i had a feeling going in i was like i i know that we're not going to be able to escape our shit i know that whatever we deal with in our lives is probably going to be amplified it's going to be brought to the playa you know to use burning men language which you know and i went in best best equipped that i could to handle whatever was going to come my way and when I look back now, I think that worked and I was just, there's no way I could have prepared for what was going to come. So I was as prepared as I could be. I came with the tools that I possessed, right? Like yeah. I had the hammer and the screwdriver and I was like, if this breaks, <laughs> I'm going to do this. And I had a little bit of a plan, but then all of a sudden, you know, there's something new presenting. Um, and, and at the same time, not so new, same stuff, maybe just in a, in a more clear form that gets brought to you under these, these treacherous conditions at times. And that's one of the beauties of Burning Man. You know, it, in, in the beginning, I was just trying to understand all the decisions from the community of how they decided to go here and why they deal with all this dust. And by the end of it, I'm going, yeah, you couldn't have Burning Man without the dust. Mm -hmm. That's actually that's right. an, that's an important ingredient right. in the experience. And that's how I felt at the end. I was like, oh yeah, you wouldn't want to do this without the dust. So one of the many paradoxes of Burning Man is that it is a place where essentially none of the distractions or the focuses that are present in your everyday life outside of Burning Man, they're not there, right? There's no, well, these days I think they're bringing more phone service in, which I think is a great tragedy, but there's essentially, if you, you know, it's easy to, to no phone service, no, you, you can't connect with the outside world. There's no job, there's no work, there's no, the demands of, of, of your everyday life. So that's, that's all gone. 
And at the same time, there is infinite potential for distraction at Burning Man. There's all these whole new distractions that are available. What do you mean, you... Brian? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I'm fascinated by, especially, um, well, s set it up this way. Looking back, yeah. right, you've been through Burning Man now. You went through an experience with your wife. I know there were other men that, that, that really supported you in a powerful way. Some of, some of my, my, even our mutual dear friends. Totally, yes. And but I'm, looking back now, going into Burning Man, what are you aware? What did you know that you were carrying in? That was mm. gonna have to be confronted or dealt with yeah what did i know now what do i know now, now? Yeah. what do you know now yeah. What, yeah. what i know now is that i had this this energy pull this push and pull energy with tatiana where uh i would want so deeply to connect with her that what i now know is that that showed up as anxious energy I want to create, I want to connect. I want to make this moment with you. I want to make this legendary. I want our relationship to be incredible. I want to know every part of you. I want you to know me. I, I was just stacking pressure on mm. the relationship. Like this is what success looks like. We hold hands here. We now I would have never said that out loud. Mm. I would have never said I, I need all these things to go this way in order for there to be a happy marriage. Like that would have sounded ridiculous, but looking back, kind of what was going on inside me i was like but this is how we need to do it and we need to spend this amount of time and this is how right this is how marriage is supposed to look and so i went in with this like rigid frame and when it wasn't going the way i wanted to i went to her like fixing it like we gotta fix this because this is broken because if you really love me you'd say this and i would do this and we would appear this way to each other and to the world and like and then her her personality is when I get anxious, she pulls away. Mm, He's like, yeah. wait a minute, hold on. That anxiety, not vibing with that. I need some space. So she goes into her avoidant personality, which is I'm going to go over there and be with people that aren't so anxious, right? That aren't so attached to perfection, that aren't so attached to what this could and should look like. And I'm just going to dance and have fun and enjoy myself, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And then because she's pulling away, I get even more anxious. I get even more committed. And that is something that I can clearly see now and was not so obvious to me at the beginning, but sort of became more obvious throughout the event. Let me ask you a question. Had Tatiana, and I'm making some assumptions here, right? But because this is a pattern that I see. So I've been working with couples for almost 10 years. This is, this is a very familiar pattern. Uh, I mean, it shows up in my relationship as well. Uh, although I'm, I'm more Tatiana and you're more my, my wife. Had Tatiana the, the skills, and I'm not, again, I'm making assumptions. I'm not saying she has none, but had she the skills to lean in sure. to these moments when, you, when these anxieties are coming up for you and, and not necessarily do the thing you think needs to be done, but reassure you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Be connect with you in a way totally. that again, not necessarily do the exact thing that not follow the script, but reassure you, lean in, reassure you, let you know, hey, I'm here, we're in this, I love you, blah, blah, blah. Do you think that that would have helped calm that that part of you that is always seeking the perfect? I believe so. 
I believe so. Yeah. And, and she would tell you if she were here and she has said this to other people that she goes, yes, I should have communicated more effectively to John what I needed and done it in a non-reactive, non-triggered state. So she would say now, she would tell you this, if she were here, she would say, I was just not aware enough of what I wanted and what I needed to be able to consciously communicate that to you. So what that sounded, you know, what, what that sounded like was I, I came to her and I remember, you know, a little bit into the, you know, experience, I was like, Hey, I feel like you're pulling away a little bit. I was trying to address it with her. And she's like, no, that's not, I'm not pulling away. That's, that's just you. And then what came up later was, yes, I was pulling away. And then I said, well, I asked you about it. And you said, well, why did you have to ask me if you knew, right? Like <laughs> you knew, why did you have to ask? Now, first of all, yeah. there is some brilliance in that. I knew in my heart that she needed space, but yet I came to her to talk to her about it because I wanted her to tell me that I was right. But, but in that, Brian, there's a challenge and an opportunity for me to say, wait a minute, John, trust yourself here. You fucking knew that something was wrong. And if you were totally aligned and in your body and certain and knowing and trusting yourself, you would just go, I know my wife. She needs a little space right now. I don't even have to ask her. I know it. I can see it. It's all over her face, all over her body. Like she needs to breathe and spread her wings and be a butterfly and go float a little bit. Like, yes, she's right. There was an opportunity there for me to be more trusting of myself and not need to verify it by somebody else. At the same time, she would tell you her opportunity was, she could have said to me, baby, um, I'm just feeling a little bit like I just need to float a little bit. Like we always talk about her being this butterfly and she's like, I just need to go connect and have some energy. I love you. I'm not leaving you. We're good, right? But I'm gonna go do this thing. Just let's take a couple of hours and go be by ourselves. Yeah. And I think that had she said that, I would have been great. But at that point, I was already triggered and in fight or yeah. flight. And yeah. And if I'm understanding correctly, too, this is a, a, a long standing pattern. Totally. I mean, it's, yeah, this it's happened 16 ish time. years. It's been some version of it. And certainly it's gone through different seasons and it's looked differently. But she is very attracted to me when I am certain and I'm in my power, and I'm just doing John the best way that I know how, and I'm just moving through life. She loves that. Where she doesn't love the version of me that becomes like very nervous and like, is everything okay? Because what she wants and craves, like many people do, is safety. And a lot of that safety comes through the certainty. Because, you know, look, not to compare my relationship to that of, of a dog, but we are shopping for a dog. So let me make a very rough connection here that could easily be misconstrued. <laughs> shopping for a dog right now, right? Family dog. And in talking about this, I was talking with my buddy Tucker Max about it, right? And he goes, he goes, if, if the dog doesn't have certainty in its leader, that that dog will have anxiety because he goes, are you in charge? Do I need to be in charge? Because if you're not in charge as my master, then I got to be in charge. And that's where the dog gets a lot of anxiety. And so what I'm learning from that is that in a relationship of two beings, we are attracted to the certainty and the knowing and the solidarity and the sovereignty of a being 
because in the presence of that, we feel safe. She with I and I with her, we both feel the same way. So when I feel she has so much certainty, baby, I love you. Like, I'm just going to go float a little bit. I will be back. That's certainty. That's safety. That's like strength and knowing yourself and what you want and what you need. And the same in reverse for me. So I think that what we were missing and we were both finding is that this energy was stirring because we both were not honoring what we knew to be true within ourselves. And we brought that anxiety to the relationship, each of us. Mm -hmm. And so when you went to Burning Man, if I, again, correct me if I'm off of misunderstanding, but when you arrived at Burning Man, again, you had years of momentum in this direction. And share with us like at what point was this a critical turning point was this a potential bottoming out was there was there a, a precipice <laughs> that you were also standing on in the desert what was going on there so all right so here's the real story right this is the unfiltered good uh unfiltered version of this story okay so framing this out a little bit the tension was building the first day or two of burning man let's say right it's mm -hmm. building 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 we get to this one moment where we're sitting in camp and Tatiana wants to go do something because we're we're now at the point of like fracturing, right? This is breaking. And uh, we're at our limits, both of us. Well, she decides to go do something with a group of people and kind of, and like the story is, right, that I would tell is I, she left me in the circle and took everybody else and went and did something fun. Felt total betrayal, total. Now, by the way, I want to be clear. This is my story, right? The fact is she had fun with people. The fact <laughs> of the matter is I didn't go. That's a fact. Right, right. The story is one of betrayal and abandonment right. and all these things, right? She and she has the me. same, she has the same core wounds around her, you know, about betray uh, around abandonment that she deals with. But here's, so here's the breaking point. That moment was critical because we both went our separate ways. That was like, you. I'm angry at you, you're angry at me. We want nothing to do with each other. And for almost two days, we did not talk. We did not hang together. We went and had our own Burning Man experience. And at that point, Brian, right when I was, I got support from our buddy, Joshua Winner, you know, total amazing support from him yeah. one night. Great conversations with our mutual friend, Russ, other people in the camp that were supporting me. And I could talk for hours and hours about that level of support and brotherhood and camaraderie and family and, and you know, people that were dropping in with me. And I was trying at that point not to tell the story constantly, but to, but to heal and figure out what does this mean for me? And she was trying to do the same thing. And at one point I came to her to try to connect and resolve. And she let me know that she wrote me a divorce letter. Wow. And took it to the temple to burn on the final days of Burning Man. That is wow. where you say goodbye. Yeah. And wow. she let me know that, that this was a, mo she goes, she said, I've had enough. I'm done. We are over. This is the end. I wrote you a letter. It's at the temple. Our relationship is done. So was there a bottoming out? Was there, <laughs> was there a moment yeah. when we both hit a, 
you know, a floor. And the thing about bottoming out though, Brian, that I love about that, that visual is that is the foundation. You talk about something that's like hitting rock bottom. What you're talking about is finding the foundation. Mm. And so from that place of, we have nothing left to lose. We don't have, like, we, we are at the place where we're like, this is it. Mm. And I remember saying to her, if this is it, then okay. I can accept that you are making a powerful decision for you and I will support you and love you through that decision. And I don't want to be angry at you through this process. So even if it means the end, I want to lovingly find the end with you. Mm. That, what I feel in that moment was an opportunity for us to then reimagine our relationship of, you know, what was that going to be? And by the way, maybe not as husband and wife, but to reimagine what a connection to this soul, because we have two children, what that would look like. And there's, there's obviously a lot that happened from there because fast forward and right now, she can't keep her hands off of me right now. <laughs> uh -huh. And we're in an amazing yeah. season of our relationship right now. So I wanted to, I want to add that in and I'm skipping a lot there of like, well, what happened then? How did you reconnect? How did you repair? How did you, there's a whole journey there. But the point is that we both have come now to the relationship from a new perspective in a new place. And I love that idea. I think it's Esther Perel who said it, that it, you'll have multiple marriages in your life and just, you don't know whether or not it's going to be with the same person. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm often, when, when I work with couples, I'm working with a couple right now, been together uh, uh, 17 years, married 22 years together. And I said this to them at the end of our first session that you consider they're, they're also on the verge of divorce. They're deciding part of our work together is, is to help them get clarity to decide whether or not they even want to continue being, being married. And, um, you know, I don't do that in one session. You know, we do that over a couple months, but I, I, I told them consider that your previous marriage is over. It's over because you, both of you, you cannot continue doing what you've been doing. And both of you know that that's why we're here. And so, um, it's really inspiring and, 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 and you went to the great exacerbator burning man. Yeah. <laughs> it took you, you know, it's like it accelerated you to this precipice of, of a decision. What, I, what I'm really curious about John is, is, is what's different now. Yeah. What changed? What's different? What, what, you know, what, what's, well, what's different? Well, I'll, I'll just speak for me, right? Yeah. I'll try, I'll try not to, talk about what happened with her, how she shifted. I mean, I could give an observation, but yeah. um, that's her world, right? That's her experience. But what shifted within me was that there had, there's a couple of, there's a couple of major moments for me at Burning Man. One of which was um, the time when I finally danced and enjoyed it and felt that I was doing it right <laughs> i spent like my whole actually life dancing just actual four, yeah 47 not, the, not metaphorically 47, literally no literally dancing yeah. 47 years old and i think that for every year that i've been on this planet i felt i was doing it wrong 
every time. Like, it doesn't matter wherever I'm dancing. I'm like, this is the wrong dance move. This is the wrong, <laughs> I'm just doing it wrong. That was uh, like my, right? Yeah. And I remember being out on the dance floor. And so this is one moment for me where I'm finally connected to my body. I'm finally not worried about what everybody else thinks of me. I'm finally enjoying myself by moving my body. This is a major moment for me. Now we could spend again, hours on this by itself. And I'm happy to, to dig in and go deeper on that. Um, Cause it, that was a big moment for me. Um, but that's, but, but if we were just looking for pillars of change, that's one. Now what that led to was ultimately the big headline I think is, this is what I keep telling people now. I have so much certainty in my body, Brian. I have so much definitive, certain, knowing, aligned energy with what I want, who I am, and what my next move is, that for Tatiana, that is so attractive to her. Mm -hmm. And all I can tell you is that People go, well, what, what is it? Like, what changed? Lots of people have been asking me, right? What, what changed? What shifted? And I'm like, it's been a 47-year journey, and I honestly don't know what to tell you. Hmm. I don't know if it was Tony Robbins in my 20s. I don't know if it was this coach over here. I don't know if it was the psilocybin journey I did. I don't know if it was Burning Man. I don't know if it's the fact that I'm just older, wiser. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's all of it. It's a culmination. It's It's... It's, it, you know, it, to me, it's like the reward of relentless pursuit of growth and surrounding my, I could tell you it's peer group, Brian. I could tell you it was moving to Austin. I could tell you it was, right, it was all these things. It was giving myself more space in my schedule. I could tell you it's front row dads in the community. It is all of it, dude. But, but, but for Burning Man, learning to dance was a big one for me. And here's the thing, I want to, I want to, I'm going to put a bow on this for a minute. I'm going to try to tie this all together. So yesterday I spent with friends with, I spent time with our mutual friend, Sam, who was at Burning Man. And here's the thing. Sam has played this fascinating role in my life because I think Sam is the guy that sometimes when I look at him and his like tattoos, as an example, I'm like, Sam, you have the tattoos. Many men, including myself, wish they were confident enough to get. <laughs> you have, uh -huh. you have yeah. these incredible tattoos. So Sam is this beacon for me of like a person who is like expressing himself, which is what I want desperately to learn how to do is to just be authentically me, right? So Sam has is, is been this very important figure through this journey for a number of reasons, which we don't even have time to talk about at all. But check this out. There's this one moment when Tatiana is like frantically running around trying to get to this thing, you know, this next event, this concert, whatever. And, and she goes, I'm, I've got to get there or I'm going to miss the dance. Mm. And, and Sam puts his hand on Tatiana's arm and says, Tatiana, this is the dance. Mm. Mm -hmm. And dude, I... To me, that <laughs> sums up the whole thing mm, yeah. was that we are, it all of a sudden made all of the stuff that we're going through actually feel more like not a game, but a dance. Yeah. 
an energetic push and pull. And like, and then I'm like, how can I work with this in a way where I'm viewing all of my relationship as a dance? She wants to be led. She wants me to recover quickly if I, if I falter, right? And, and she wants me to take her in that way. And I have that ability. But for my entire adult life, Brian, I did not believe that I had that in me mm. until just now. And by the way, I'm making all sorts of like great decisions and powerful moves. And it's coming from this place of like, I'm going to own myself on the dance floor of life. Mm. I'm reminded of a, uh, wow. I mean, John, just, I know there's, I know you are skipping the surface of profound and deep experience and conversations and serendipities and moments and, that's what I love about, you know, our, even our friendship. I just know we're, we're just meeting each other in that conversation. We got to drop in where that dog was going down on my leg. <laughs> Let's just be clear. Going down on me on my leg. No, nowhere else. It's not sexual. It was weird, but not sexual anyway. And I, I know we we're just getting started. There's so much to explore, man. And, um, and I'm, I'm reminded of, uh, Coleman Barks. You know who that is? No, he, uh, is one of the main translators of Rumi's poetry here in the mm -hmm. West, Coleman Barks. I saw him speak at an event where they had the Sufi dancers, you know, the, the twirling dancers, they're dancing, their, 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 their love for God, essentially, it's a dance, and uh, the whirling dervishes. And uh, he took questions from the audience and a woman was sharing her heartbreak at something, she was struggling with something, she wanted advice. And all he said to her is, well, I suggest you dance. Mm -hmm. That answer has never left me. I've always thought about it. He could have said a million other things and he just invited her to dance. You know, I think, I think of this often. I'm seven years into my relationship with Sylvie. I met her at 41, which means lots of things, but it, but one of the things it means is that throughout, I had my teens, my twenties and my thirties to fantasize about what marriage would be about what relationship would be mm -hmm. to, you know, I had 25, 30 years of fantasizing about the, the, the utopia that relationship with an extraordinary woman would be. And my wife is extraordinary. As I know, Tatiana, I've met her. She's extraordinary. She's amazing. I, I, I remember reading in, uh, a book I have on my shelf back here, The Women Who Run With The Wolves. It's right behind my head, actually. It's right there. Women Who Run With The Wolves. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She said something in there. It's a masterpiece book. Have you ever read that book or read no, any of it? I know it. It's in our home. Oh, man. It's a masterpiece. That She said that, uh, and she said it way more poetically than I'm about to say it, but until we are able to get over our fantasy of relationship, we can't have real relationship with another human being. And that passage, when I read that, I read that before I met Sylvie, probably eight years, eight, nine years ago. It just, again, it was one of those like just struck, it pierced me. Mm. And I have, I have a beautiful relationship with my wife. We have our challenges, you know, our dance is funky and awkward at times and, and we step on each other's toes and, you know, we, we have the same connection challenges. You know, I, I have that same sort of, I want to withdraw in the face of her, her anxious reaching for me. And I know that's not skillful. And, and, you know, so I, 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 I lean in when I'm, when I'm able to be skillful and when I'm not, I, I bounce until she says, where the fuck did you go? And then, yeah. you know, it's a dance. It is not a perfect, perfect dance. But it is perfect and it's in the fact that it is what it is and, and yeah. i don't even mean it in the way we usually dismiss things it is what it is no i mean it is it is this 
wild and unruly and, and at times chaotic and at times exquisite and beautiful and messy. And, and it, it's, it's the dance. And like, I couldn't imagine being in it with another woman at this point, yeah. you know? And, and so I, I'm, you know, you and Tatiana six, 16 years together. Now your so what I'm hearing is your, your previous marriage is, is in essence over. Yeah. She wrote That's the right. divorce letter stuck it stuck it in a little crevice in the temple <laughs> it probably did get burned did it get burned no what? actually it's part of the story is we uh. were we were biking home one night and she had finally come to this like you know she shifted she shifted also and she's like we need we need to go get the letter you know before they burn the temple interesting so do you have it in the home now no she wouldn't let me read it that's probably smart too <laughs> <laughs> i said I want to know that, want to know that pain. I want to know what you went through, but no, she didn't want me to know that. And she just, she said, I wrote that letter for me. And I was like, that makes sense. And I totally honor that. Yeah. 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 No, that's beautiful, man. John, we're going to have more conversations in the future. Uh, so much to, to dive into. I, I, I want to talk a little bit about front row dads. I know you got an event coming up. This is for front row dads, right? In December. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the event? What What's going to happen there? Yeah, man. I I am so pumped about this. We have uh, we have a bunch of friends that are going to be there. And, uh, you know, I'm excited. Here's, here's what it is. It's 150 men who all resonate with the idea of being family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. Mm. Almost every member of our community, which we're now 300 guys in 15 different countries, whenever they join it's nine out of 10 people will say, I knew this was the group for me when I heard that phrase, family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. They go, that that was my crew. Mm. And so, yes, we talk about all sorts of things that men and fathers want to talk about when leading their families and leading within the community. Like, is business a part of the conversation? Yeah, but not just to grow your business for the sake of greed or growth, but how do we grow businesses that um, we can integrate our families into and that create schedules that allow us to, you know, really connect at home and not just talk about being great dads. So how do we look at business from, through that lens? How do we look at our health when it when we filter through the family, right? And, and how do we integrate all this and balance all this and flow with all this? Well, look, man, we, we do stuff online. We've got the podcast. We've got online calls. People join in from all over the world. This is our first time that we thought we're going to open up an event for everybody who wants to come that's in our community uh, to get together in person. And our headliners, like the guys that I'm interviewing, the guys that are speaking are just incredible men uh, who are dads, who are committed to being family men first, but also just winning in many areas of life. So people like Hal Elrod, who wrote The Miracle Morning, is going to open us up. We've got Preston Smiles, a mutual friend of ours who has four kids under five years old and built yeah. an incredible coaching business. Yeah. Um, Joshua Wenner is going to be there talking about emotional intelligence and nervous system. We have my buddy Justin Donald of The Lifestyle Investor and Eric Van Horn are going to do a, a set on wealth and legacy. Uh, we have got my buddy Kasim Aslam, who is going to do a part on business evolution. Also, Rich Christensen and his son, Matthew. By the way, legendary family. All five of Rich's kids built million-dollar businesses before the age of 18. Gosh. 
Wow. And he's got this incredible rite of passage program. I'm going to interview the two of them on stage. So Rich and one of his sons. And um, it just goes on. We've even got a late night, you know, Q&A with my buddy. I mentioned him earlier. Tucker Max and I are going to do a session on psychedelics and the healing properties of that. And, and uh, there's just, we're going to touch on a lot of things here. But the most important piece of this event is that men are going to be able to connect to each other. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be able to have the conversations most men won't have at a normal backyard barbecue. Not necessarily the kind of barbecues that you and I are going to right now, <laughs> right. but yeah, yeah. Where you met Lily, the the leg humper. But uh anyway, man, it's gonna be a great event and December 2nd through the 4th. And we want the right guys to be there. So if you're interested, check it out, frontrowdads.com. Frontrowdads.com. Yeah. Great. It's early December. Yep. And obviously, if you're listening to this podcast past that date, uh, still frontrowdads.com, a great resource to get connected with John and uh, his community. John, all right, you're going to circle back and finish up with just a couple questions. Circling back to the lesson you learned through this last, I'm not sure there, there, there are many lessons, but if I were to ask you, what what is the the one key insight you think that men need to, to, to know in order to create a thriving relationship. Yeah. Keep knowing your, keep knowing yourself and, uh, to keep understanding what it is you really want, what it is you don't want, where are your boundaries? What is, you know, we talk about agreements with other people. What are the agreements you have with yourself? How do you listen to yourself? What is your process for trusting your inner guidance, right? The, the, the whispers, the screams from what's inside. What, what is it? How are you tapping into source? God, the divine, whatever you're calling it. Where is this information coming from within? What are you, where are you sourcing this? And I think that is the lesson because when you do that, you then dance powerfully you know, we're, we're kind of dancing together and, indiv- and and by ourselves in many cases. Like Burning Man was a lot of that. Like we're together and we're by ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. I'm doing my own dance with you. Sometimes we'll come together and connect, right? Sometimes I'll spin you around. Sometimes we'll look at each other and other times we're just doing our own dance. Mm-hmm. But I would strongly encourage people to consider what does true alignment look like between who you are and how you're acting in the world. And then how are you choosing to flow and dance? Which to me is, that means you're present to the pulse. That's what that means, Brian. If you are present to the pulse, you'll know how to move. Think about that, right? Like as a dad, if you're present to the pulse of your family, you'll know how to lead. If you are present to the pulse of your significant partner, you will know how to sweep them off their feet. And if you are present to the pulse of your own inner being, you are going to then be resonant and effective and energized and moving through the world in a way where people go, that guy has something about him. There is an X factor there. Just walk into a room and you're like, there's a vibe. And that's what it is. It's a frequency. And you are tuned into that frequency and it just makes sense. You're like, that person, they're not doing a dance move I was ever taught, but dude, but yeah. you you watch people like that, and there's a part of you that wants to be like them, where you're just like, that guy's feeling it. That woman mm-hmm. is feeling it. Mm-hmm. And they're not giving a fuck about what anybody else says. They are just in it. And there is something so attractive 
to ourselves when we're in that place and other people feel that because they want that too. 100%. They want to be aligned. They want to be expressed. They want to be in tune, in flow, in vibe. They want that. I'm reminded of uh, something Joseph Campbell said that that was also, again, life-shifting for me. I used to think I'm, I'm looking for the meaning of life. You know, that, that was, I'm, the, I'm a, being intellectual and, and, and just intellectually curious about everything. And I was always looking, why are we here? What's this all about? Seeking those answers. And Joseph Campbell said something in an interview. He said, he actually said, I don't think people are really looking for the meaning of life so much as they are looking for the experience of being alive. Mm. It's like, ooh, I think he's right about that. Mm. That really, I, I think if I just find the meaning of life, then I'll have the experience of being alive. But wait a second. No, just like what you're talking about, be, uh, being connected to what is happening in the moment, being, being in it, living in my body, just in the dance rather than in I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. I'm dancing wrong. How the fuck can you dance wrong? I remember I had this experience in an ayahuasca <laughs> right, ceremony. Right, right. <laughs> I had this experience in an ayahuasca ceremony where I remember I used to like, you know, you, the, the prayer position, you put your hands in the prayer position. I used to feel so uncomfortable doing that. Like, why do I do this? There's no, I didn't connect with the church tradition that, that did that. I'm not a, I'm not a, an Indian yogi guy. Like I always felt so awkward. And yet, you know, in the circles I ran in, people would always put their hands in the prayer position, yoga classes, and just all my spiritual buddies, you know, namaste. And I was like, that's so dumb. I don't get it. And I remember in an ayahuasca ceremony, laying down and I remember having this experience of like, there is no position I can put my body in that is not already holy. Mm. There is no position I can put my body in that is not holy. Mm. That was like, holy shit. So I can do prayer position. I cannot do prayer position. I can, I can I, put up my middle I, finger. I can do like, it's all, it's all whole yes. it's all a part of the whole and, and it's like to what you're saying that was so that was such a beautiful moment a liberating moment i could just be in my body and i don't have to hold it any particular way i mean i can hold it in certain ways if i want to have certain you know practice certain skills or you know do you think the resistance of that prayer by the way is also like i'm acting like i'm, I'm, I'm doing something that somebody else told me i'm do do yeah. so that if i do this i'll then feel spiritual or right. i'll be one of them or i'll be connected or i'll be fitting in or 100 percent. yeah I don't, I don't know why i'm doing this i was just told this is what you do and, and yeah. i like and the people that i saw doing it particularly in in the church that i went to episcopalian church i was like i don't believe them they don't feel right, right. i don't believe this this yes. something's off here they're doing this and I don't believe it. So I don't know. This can't be, <laughs> this can't be where it's at, but I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. hundred percent, man. So, you know, having to, I, I, I'm reminded, I know we're going down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I, I'm reminded of, I worked with a woman who uh, was Muslim, uh, Egyptian Muslim. And she went through a period in her life where she stopped wearing the hijab because she was like, this is bullshit. This is just male oppression. This is, I don't choose this. I don't know why I'm doing this. But actually, when I was working with her, she had come back to wearing the hijab because it, it now was a true, deep, authentic experience for her. It was no longer attached to the old ideas of why men said you have to do it. And it now came from a place inside of her that said, no, this is this is actually feels deeply good to me. So I, I found that I just find that journey fascinating. Um, you know, here you are again, married 16 years with a woman that, you know, I've shared your or you shared your story with me about how you met as your roommates. Your yeah. roommates first, and uh oh, within what weeks? 
<laughs> you were sharing the same room, yep. even though you're supposed, you're supposed to be roommates. Move fast, man. It moved real fast. So like it was a it was a, a lightning attraction experience, and then 16 years of some unskillful practice. I'm sure lots of skillful practice, but also a lot of unskillful practice. And here you are at Burning Man, just the great exacerbator. Oh, it's all over. And now here you are in a way back to the start of, of seeing each other with fresh eyes and, and fresh hearts. And it's the circle of life, John. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> it's beautiful, and, man. And who knows, who knows what's to come. Um, yeah. I'm releasing attachment to that as much as possible right now. And just saying, how am I going to show up today for my family? Mm. You know, that's, that's just it. And by the way, I can tell you, I heard these things 10 years ago, 20 years yeah, ago. Yeah. And a lot of times they didn't resonate with me. And that's the difference, I think, of hearing something and getting it intellectually and then having enough of the life experience to then find truth within it. And I think that that's why wherever you are is perfect. If you stay aware and awake to the lessons that are coming your way, then how and whatever you're receiving in this now moment is perfect for you. Because it's like my... Look, I'm only sharing, we're only sharing. I'll speak for myself, not you, Brian, but it's like, I love to share these things because a lot of times when somebody else has opened up for me and, sh and, and said, oh, this is what it could look like. What I recognize is I go, oh, that's why it's so amazing to have everybody be so different. <laughs> it hit me yesterday because I was like, it just gives me range. Oh, you could do it like Brian. You could do it like that person. You could do it, it expands my range of possibility. I get to see more of what possibly lives within me because you're choosing to express it. I'm like, ooh, that looks good. That must live within me because my body's like, hell yeah, that feels yeah. great Yeah, in the most positive way. And like all these people and all these experiences and all this, the music and the all of, all of the art of life is just expanding our range, yeah. the, the dark and the light the anger and the joy it's all expanding range yeah right all of that that's my my whole word right now the one word driving everything in my life is range how much range can i create and then how agile can i be in that range well i know that's a subject for another one of our conversations range um but it actually sets up the finale of this conversation what I, what i'm calling your five core emotional triggers. You ready? We're gonna finish up with this. Let's go, man. Let's go. What makes you mad? Disrespect. What makes you sad? Disconnection. What makes you feel joy? Sex. <laughs> can what I give that you, answer? Of course you can. <laughs> what makes you feel afraid? Sex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His black rooster in my backyard. Oh this yeah, big black rooster. Uh huh. Yeah, I've met that rooster. Well, yeah, <laughs> Tatiana. She she told me how that I that, that I have to on on our first duel, I must win with, yeah, against the rooster, right. or I'm screwed for life. <laughs> establish your dominance. And finally, what causes you to feel shame or embarrassment, or just wants to make you hide from the world? not living in alignment with who I truly am. Beautiful, John. 
brother, uh, pleasure and a joy to drop in with you. This is uh, awesome, man. This is so good. I so appreciate you, man. And I'm just excited for, for more conversations and adventures to come. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. And um, meeting you has been, again, a highlight of my year. And I just know that it's the start of something great. So thank you, man. Thanks, Matt. And and again, I'll, I'll let everyone know uh, in the outro, frontrowdads.com. Is there anything else you want to leave our listeners with? No, that's it, man. If we can help the dads out there that align with being family men with businesses, then please reach out. We want to serve. Wonderful. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to John Vroman. You can find John at www.frontrowdads.com. If you're listening to this soon enough, you can catch him at his live event coming up in Austin in uh, December 2022. Of course, uh, this link and any other resources will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash menthiswaypodcast. And also remember, if you'd like to experience empowering transformational coaching with me, to help elevate your intimate relationship experiences or elevate your life in some way that is deeply meaningful to you, go to brianreeves.com slash elevate. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate and fill out the application on that page to get started on your coaching journey with me. Now, depending on when you hear this, we, we may be full for the next cohort of Elevate 2023, but no worries. Just fill out the application there as there are other ways we can work together to help you get where you want to go. And hopefully there's space for you to come with me on my year-long adventure, Elevate 2023. And finally, please go write a review of this podcast right now on your podcast app. Doing so helps me immensely. It helps the show immensely. It helps other people realize that this is a trustable space of wisdom for men. And I deeply appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Yep, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.